Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Sniffin' Lines with Hunter Mickles. This is Season 2, Episode 2, and boy, oh boy, does it feel great to be doing this again. I am unbelievably excited for Week 0. I hope you guys are too. I mean, I saw a tweet today saying you have to be sick if you're watching Week 0 games. It's like, come on. We've been without college football for, what, almost 8 months now? I am itching to watch some 18 to 22 year old kids take the field and be why I'm happy or why I'm sad. I'm just so excited for it. I'm so excited to bet on it. You guys better be too. I mean, I was talking this over with a couple of my friends. I'm thinking I have an idea for this season to make it a little more interesting to involve you guys. I think I'm going to be doing uh, a guest picker each week but I'm also going to have the same four guests on each week or at least send their picks into me and we can keep track throughout the season and just have like a little competition as it goes on I think it'd make it a little more fun for you guys so uh, if you guys can get back to me on that and tell me what you guys think about that I think it'll be a good idea so yeah just you guys got me on snapchat whatever Just hit me up. Let me know if you guys want to be part of the podcast whatsoever. All right. Let's jump into episode two. Uh, We got a decent amount to talk about today. Pretty jam-packed show. I'll try to condense it so it doesn't take too long. Um, But we're going to start it off with uh, my top five quarterbacks for the upcoming 2023 season. Uh, Number one, I mean, you're dumb if you don't go with Caleb Williams. I mean, come on, he won the Heisman last year. Threw for 4,357 yards. He had 42 passing touchdowns to five interceptions. He ran for 382 yards on the ground and added 10 more rushing touchdowns on top of that. So he had 52 total touchdowns last season. I mean, he's plus, what, seven, plus 500 to win the Heisman on FanDuel. Uh, It's going to be hard to replicate last season. But honestly, if the defense doesn't improve, he's going to have to. Simple as that. I don't think the defense is going to improve too much. They're they're not very good. I don't think they're going to I don't think they're going to have that good of a season. I think Kayla Williams is going to have to put up Heisman numbers again for USC to have any shot at making the playoff. Uh, he's got he's got Brendan Rice on the outside, 39 receptions, 611 yards and four touchdowns last season. And then Dorian Singer uh, he transferred in for, from Arizona, 66 receptions, 1,105 yards, and six touchdowns last year. Hell, three of them were against USC's defense. He had a hell of a game against USC last year. I mean, Caleb Williams, he, he's got a loaded wide receiver room. It, it's going to be hard to replicate the numbers, but he's going to have a damn good season. I could see him going back-to-back for the first time and only time since Archie Miller did at Ohio State. So my number one uh, quarterback this season, it, it ha- you have to go to Kayla Williams for that. At number two, I have Drake May from North Carolina. I mean, as a true freshman, he threw for 4,321 yards, had 38 touchdowns to seven interceptions. He added on 698 yards on the ground and seven more rushing touchdowns. He won the ACC Player of the Year, ACC Offensive Player of the Year, ACC Rookie slash Freshman of the Year, ACC Offensive Rookie slash Freshman of the Year. 
Only problem is he's losing Josh Downs and Antoine Green to the NFL. Uh, he, those are those were his two leading receivers last season. Uh, he's got JJ Jones on the outside now. He only had 24 receptions for 434 yards and two touchdowns last season. Uh, if cleared by the NCAA, he he was already uh, denied eligibility to play this season. But uh, Devontez Walker, last year at Kent State. He had 58 receptions for 921 yards and 11 touchdowns. So if Devontez Walker gets cleared, that'll help out a lot. He's also got transfer wide receiver from Georgia Tech, Nate McCollum, who had 60 receptions for 655 yards and three touchdowns last year. So, I mean, he's got the talent at the wide receiver position. It's just whether or not they're going to live up to the hype that the two guys he lost in the NFL had. I, I don't know if they will, especially if they don't get Devontae Walker back. But if they do, look for Drake May to have a breakout year and possibly be sitting in New York come December, waiting to hear his name called for the Heisman. At number three, I have Bo Nix. Uh, Bo Nix had a breakout season last year. Uh, he had 3,593 yards passing, 29 touchdowns through the air, seven interceptions. He had 510 rushing yards. And he added 14 more rushing touchdowns onto that. So 43 total touchdowns compared to seven interceptions. Very, very solid season. Uh, he's looking to have one final breakout season before he has to move on to the NFL draft. He's got a new offensive coordinator, Will Stein. He's coming from uh, UTSA. UTSA last season was ninth, ninth in total offense. And their quarterback, Frank Harris, was second in total offense. He had 4,059 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, and he added 600 yards on the ground and 9 more rushing touchdowns. So this this offense coordinator, Will Stein, definitely has, uh, definitely has the intangibles to help Bo Nix improve. Uh, whether or not Bo Nix and him mesh, we'll come to find out, but I think Bo Nix is good enough to still have a very solid season even if he doesn't get along with his offensive coordinator, but I, I'm sure he will. He's got, I went over this on the first podcast, but he's got Troy Franklin, who had 61 receptions for 891 yards and nine touchdowns, and Chris Hudson, 44 receptions, 472 yards, uh, zero touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he's got the weapons out there. You can't forget Trayshawn Holden, the transfer wide receiver from Alabama. He's got the weapons to make it a hell of a season. Uh, it all comes down to, if their defense is good enough, their defense isn't that good, Bo Nix is going to have to put up the numbers. He's got the offensive line. I'm hearing they can go eight deep right now. They lost four starters last season, and they can still go eight deep. People thought that was going to be a weakness. What you're hearing from the Oregon websites, their Oregon 247 sports, like those kind of websites, they're talking offensive line is going to be one of their best units this season, which is a massive surprise. Um I, th- I think Bo Nix can have a very, very solid season. I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, moving on to number four, we got Michael Pe- uh, Penix Jr. Last season, he had 4,167 passing yards, 31 passing touchdowns compared to eight interceptions. He's not much of a runner. Um, he bounced back last season after reuniting with his old offense coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, who is now the head coach at Washington. Uh it just they they meshed really well, of course. I mean, he was a front runner for, or not a front runner, but a favorite to win the Heisman starting that season at Indiana, the COVID year, 
and or the season after the COVID year, I believe. And he just didn't have that good of a year because he lost his offensive coordinator. But uh, he's got Rome Odunze on the outside. 75 receptions, 1,145 yards, and seven touchdowns last season. I mean, that those are hell, hell of a numbers. Uh, Jalen Polk, 41 receptions, 694 yards, six touchdowns. And Jalen McMillan, 79 receptions, 1,098 yards, and nine touchdowns out of the slot. They have an absolutely loaded wide receiver room up front. They're one through three could all be ones that almost any other college they wanted to go to. Um, so I, I could see Michael Penix having a very solid season. If Washington lives up to expectations, I think they're like, what, 10th in the AP poll? You could very well see him sitting in New York as well. Uh, like, he, he's really good. He, he's accurate at the quarterback position. He's got the wide receivers for it. The offense is made for him. I could see him being very successful this season. So look out for Michael Penix Jr. And then number five, let me flip my page here real quick. Number five, I got Jaden Daniels out of LSU. Uh, I mean, Jaden Daniels, a little inconsistent at times, but he still had 2,913 yards in the air last year, 17 passing touchdowns, three interceptions. And then you got to add on the 855 rushing yards and 11 rushing touchdowns he had. So he had 28 total touchdowns, just under 4,000 total yards. Uh, I mean, he very well could have tested NFL waters this year, but Brian Kelly really wanted him back. He set him up with a year-long training program and found him an elite quarterback trainer to help with his flaws. That's all you see when you read up on LSU. Jaden Daniels is going to be much improved, much more consistent. I'm excited to see what he's going to do this season. He's still got Malik Neighbors on the outside, 72 receptions, 1,017 yards, three touchdowns. And he's got Brian Thomas Jr., 31 receptions, 361 yards, five touchdowns. He did lose Kayshawn Boutte uh, to the NFL. He had 48 receptions, 538 yards, two touchdowns. He was LSU's best wide receiver last season. He didn't have the numbers to show that he was the best wide receiver, but he was, I mean, he was just double teamed half the time. They, he was a damn good wide receiver. Malik Neighbors made up for that. Um, but that, don't get me wrong, that's a big loss despite the numbers. Uh, you're looking for JD's passing yards and rushing yards to increase the season. I really think they will. I mean, he had about a total of 3,800 uh, total yards last year. And I could see that bumping up to like 43, 4,400 this year. And if he does that, LSU is going to be damn good. You're looking at a 10 and two season, maybe 11 and one season for LSU if he if he plays how he could. So yeah, just look for Jaden Daniels to have a very solid season going into 2023. I think he is the fifth best quarterback out there. Okay, uh, we're gonna move on. I'm gonna go over every single week zero game besides the UTEP and I believe Jacksonville State one. Uh, the I just don't have the stats for Jacksonville State, so I don't want to sound like an idiot. I mean, UTEP's going to win that game just by how much, I don't know. Um, but all these stats are based off last year combined with the returning production that the teams have. And if you hear me saying EPA in this next little segment here, it means expected points added. Uh, so let's just get right into it. We're going to start off with Navy versus Notre Dame. This game's in Ireland, so no team has home field advantage. It's going to be a hell of a game, hell of a crowd. Um, but 
Navy just doesn't really have a good offense. I know they run that triple option, but they just they're really not that good. They they have their breakout plays. They can sustain a couple good drives a game, but Notre Dame's defense is just too good. Um, it should be a slugfest for the most part, but I just see Notre Dame taking control like middle to late third quarter and probably running away with it. I believe the spread is at like 20 and a half right now as I'm recording this on Wednesday night. I don't know if they'll cover that. I don't have a pick for this game, but I see it being a slugfest in Notre Dame taking control late. And yeah, I'm not sure if they'll cover. I don't want to put out a pick for that game. Uh, moving on to San Jose State at USC. Now, San Jose State had one of the best passing success rates in the country last year. They were extremely successful moving the ball in the air. I'm looking for them to put some points on the board versus an unproven USC defense. And I'm looking for USC's offense to stay hot, especially Caleb Williams and those wide receivers he's got out outside of him, to just obliterate San Jose State's very average to poor passing defense I have a play in this game and my play is over 64 and a half I believe the line has moved down to 63 and a half now um I, I love it at that just as much as I love it at 64 and a half I could see USC putting up 50 plus in this game and I think San Jose State will be able to score a couple to a few touchdowns uh just because USC's defense is very mediocre and they don't have very good depth so, I yeah, I see this game going over 64.5. That is one of my two plays I have for the Week 0 games. Moving on, I have Ohio at San Diego State. I mean, Ohio has a solid, very solid offense. They averaged 1.24 net points per drive, which was 26 in the country last year. And the only problem is they're playing... San Diego State's defense, who averaged or allowed an average of 0.71 net points to drive, which was 14th in the nation. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game as it's Ohio's good offense versus San Diego State's good defense and Ohio's very bad defense versus San Diego, San Diego State's very bad offense. I think it's just going to be super low-scoring. I think the over-under is like 49.5. I I lean the under. I don't have a play for the game, so I, I, I don't have an official play for the game is what I should say, but I would lean the under 49 and a half. Moving on, we got maybe the game of the week. Come on now, UMass at New Mexico State. I believe this is the ESPN primetime game. It's a must watch. I mean, it's two of the worst teams in the country facing off. Why would you not watch it? You got UMass, who was one of the worst offices in the country last year, 127th in net points per drive. Uh, like, you can't get much worse than that. I think there's only 129 teams in the FBS. I'm sure Iowa was probably 129th or something like that. It's a little shot to, shot to the heart. But, yeah, um, 127th in net points per drive. New Mexico State's defense is 67th in net points per drive. But they also have one of the worst offenses in the country. I think they'll take advantage of a worse UMass defense. I think New Mexico State ends up turning this into a little bit of a blowout, but it's still just going to be a shithole of a game. Uh, it, it's not going to be pretty. It's two bad teams 
facing off against each other and may the better bad team win, I guess, you know. All right, moving on. I don't have much information on this game. Uh, Florida International at Louisiana Tech. It's just two bad all-around teams, really. Louisiana Tech's a little better if you go off last year's stats and, like, mix in the returning production. Louisiana Tech should be the better team. But I don't... I really don't have much to say about this game. Uh, I think Louisiana Tech has a small advantage on offense and maybe, maybe, maybe a small advantage on defense. Uh, just their stats might be a little skewed by the teams they played last season. So I, I lean Louisiana Tech in this game. Moving on to the final game I'm going to talk about today, and then I believe it is Hawaii at Vandy. This is... One of my plays, my last play of Week 0. Last season, Vanderbilt went into Hawaii and beat them 63-10. to I truly think Vanderbilt has a chance to go bowling this season. I think they might be bowl eligible if they can beat up on the bad, like the worst SEC teams, which is a possibility. But uh, A.J. Swan, he... Vanderbilt's quarterback, he should take a step in the right direction, I would hope. He just had over 1,000 yards last year, but he had 10 touchdowns compared to two interceptions. He didn't turn the ball over, and that's important. Like As long as you don't turn the ball over against a worse team like Hawaii, you're going to be all right. You're going to pull away with it. I, I think Hawaii is going to be improved, but not good enough to stay with Vandy the whole game. I think it might be a little close to the first quarter or two, maybe. And then I think Vanderbilt pulls away. The line is uh, 17 and a half, and my play is Vanderbilt minus 17 and a half. And other than that, that's all I got to talk about for the week zero games. But my two plays Vanderbilt minus 17 and a half, and San Jose State at USC over 64 and a half. Okay, I got one last thing I want to talk about on tonight's podcast, and it is the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, I want to do a little bit of a new segment, kind of, uh, just one team at the end of every podcast, just for, I guess, two more podcasts before week one starts up, but I'll add like a couple, maybe three teams um, at the end of each podcast, I guess, for the next two episodes, but uh yeah, I want to I want to talk about their best case, worst case, and most likely record. Um, jumping into it, they have Tanner Mordecai under their new head coach Luke Fickle's system. Um, they want to go more air raid this season, and Tanner Mordecai is going to be the quarterback to do that. I credit Luke Fickle going out and getting him. It was a massive pickup in the transfer portal. He threw for three thousand five hundred and twenty-four yards with 33 touchdowns and 10, 10 interceptions last season. I mean, that that's the perfect quarterback for an air raid system. He still got Braylon Allen at running back, ran for 1,242 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Uh, they, they can't misuse him, though. I mean, they got to rely on that running back. He is one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, probably top a top three running back in the Big Ten, I'd say. Um, so they cannot misuse him. They have Chamir Chamir Dyke on the outside, 47 receptions, 689 yards, and six touchdowns last season. He's a good wide receiver for an air raid offense. And they picked up C.J. Williams from USC, a little transfer wide receiver that'll help 
in that system, uh, along with Will Pauling, a transfer wide receiver from Cincinnati. So he knows Fickle's uh, system that he wants to run already. So that is a very big pickup for them. Um, so m- moving on from that, that's where I just jump right into my best case scenario. And this is if everything clicks for them, if the system fits the players, if the players play well and just do what Luke Fickle asked, best case scenario, they're 12-0. and There's not a game on that schedule that they can't win if everything fits. So that's my best case scenario. Worst case scenario, though, big difference here. Six and six for the Wisconsin Badgers. Um, I have them marked down. They ha- they go to Purdue. I have that as a win or a loss. They have Iowa at home. I have that as a win or a loss. They go to Illinois. I have win or loss. Ohio State at home, obviously win or loss. Nebraska at home. It all depends on Nebraska, honestly, with Matt Rule, how they do. But I have that win or loss. And at Minnesota in the last week of the year, I have that as a win or loss. So best case scenario, they win all those games. Worst case scenario, they lose all those games. Now, most likely record for the Wisconsin Badgers, I believe, in 2023 is 10-2. and I see them losing the Ohio State game. I think Ohio State's going to be pretty good this year. I know it's tough to play at Wisconsin, but I just think Ohio State can still go in there and win. So that's one of the losses. And then somewhere in the going to Purdue, getting Iowa at home, going to Illinois, Nebraska at home, or going to Minnesota, they're going to drop another one. I think they only drop one of those five, and the other loss coming to Ohio State. So I think best case scenario, I think Wisconsin can go 12-0. and Worst case, I see them going 500, 6 and 6, and most likely see them going 10 and 2. And 10 and 2 will probably win them the Big Ten West and give them a spot in the Big Ten Championship, depending on who their two conference losses are against. Uh, so, yeah. Okay, that'll do it for another episode for Season 2, Episode 2. Um, but throwing it back to the beginning of the podcast. Like I said, I would really like to get a guest picker on the podcast every week um, just to talk about their picks and just talk about some other college football news that they've been noticing or they've been hearing. Uh, so every week I'd like to get someone on. And then I'd like to have four or five of my friends uh, send in three or four of their picks for the week. And we'll just keep We'll keep track throughout the season, make it a little competition, friendly competition, maybe do something. Loser has to do something at the end of the year. Who knows? But if you guys have any other ideas uh, going off of that, I'd love to hear them. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening. This was Season 2, Episode 2 of Sniffin' Lines with Hunter Mickles. Peace.